0: Wouldn't you agree? would agree? I got $5. This is a run <laughs> to the left. How many tackles can one man break?
1: <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable?
0: Humans need fantasy to be human. <gasps> My goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The bats. Relentless refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance.
2: Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast presented by Pride Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Ravidi. Every Tuesday here on this podcast, I'll be joined by a luminary from the fantasy football community for a fast-paced round of 21 questions. On today's episode, I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Mike Clay, a longtime ESPN fantasy expert and respected NFL player projectionist who you can find on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL and all over ESPN on Fantasy Football Now, the Fantasy Focus Podcast, the Fantasy Show, Sports Center, everywhere. You are- are the nerd king the absolute goat of this industry so we are super super excited to have you here how the heck are you
1: well first of all i appreciate the nerd king uh title uh that's something that you know when you're a kid being a nerd isn't you know usually viewed as a good thing but i think more and more these days it is because we all have kind of our nerdy habits and um you know obviously playing with numbers and fantasy football certainly fits the bill but uh I enjoy it um, and it's a lot of fun. I enjoy, you know, diving into all this stuff and that's what I do all off season, frankly. So that's what I've been up to. I've been researching, working on projects. We have some new columns I'm going to be doing this year at uh, ESPN. So I've been kind of working with the team on that and what that's going to look like. So there's always work to be done. There's always, you know, it's a draft, it's free agency. We have cut day coming up now. So that's going to be crazy because, you know, You know, to your point and the the nerdy stuff, I mean, I'm doing projections for punters and kickers and returners and head coaches. We, we, you know, you can use that as an option at ESPN. So every player matters. So every cut that's made, I'm making a little adjustment on my end, making those maneuvers. There's trades, but right now there was just a trade for a defensive tackle for a center. That's going to, that's going to affect things in some way. So always working, always something to do.
2: Tell us one non-fantasy thing you did this summer when you were not projecting defensive tackles?
1: <laughs> I started getting into uh, lifting a little bit, you know, doing some weightlifting, getting in shape a little better. I think it's because I turned 36 during the off season. And I feel like that might be a number where it's like, oh man, like I'm past 35 now, I'm getting closer to 40. Now it's time to uh, to ramp it up a little But I've never really been into weightlifting. I have a, a good friend who was, used to be a, a trainer at Ohio State, works in NASCAR now, and he's kind of helped me out. So been doing that for a couple months, just getting started, but I, I've been enjoying it a lot. So that's probably the biggest change for me is you know a little diet adjustment and and working out a bit so um we won't show from uh, the arms down yet but maybe next year it'll be a, it'll look a little different
2: i am looking forward to the gun <laughs> show um tell me how the action charity best ball is going for you i drafted jk dobbins so obviously things oh, no. are not looking super great but tell us about how your team is looking
1: yeah, so I, have a, I actually have a family and friends dynasty league, one of my oldest leagues where I have Cam Akers and JK Dobbins. So uh, I hate to see I'm <laughs> yeah, feeling great. I had Cam Akers and uh, Scott Fishbowl too. So ah. I have quite a bit of acres. But anyway, um as for the the uh action charity league which which is awesome by the way thank you for your part in this it's gonna be a lot of fun I'm looking forward to competing against you because we've never actually <laughs> done that before so
2: I know I'm already uh, off to a great start but it'll be fun
1: <laughs> well so you do have uh, Chubb and Taylor I see so you have you still have some uh some good running back options but uh I'm happy with it you know I took Saquon Barkley a fourth overall you know I've been taking them all off season long to much criticism and, uh, he just looks better and better and better every day. And, uh, the discount you can get on him right now, if it, if it, you know, if he plays and he's healthy this year, it's going to pay off in a big way. So, you know, got him, got, uh, Najee Harris, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Miles Sanders, Logan Thomas, LaVishka Chennault. I know you weren't pleased about that one. Uh, Justin Herbert, I took a lot of guys I feel like who are not being drafted at their ceiling, a lot of room for growth. So, uh, really excited about this team. A lot of youth injected at the wide receiver position and, uh, We'll see. probably need a little more running back depth, but we still have five rounds to go in this one as of the time we're recording this. So uh, still some work to be done, but I'm happy with it.
2: That is awesome. All right, Mike, let us just hop right in here. So question one is, what year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league?
1: I did. I remember uh, actually doing the scoring so I don't know what year it was I remember two players from my team Herman Moore and Carl Pickens so I have to imagine you've never heard of it's fair. uh so that was in the 90s um they were it was they the best uh, receiver on the Lions was Herman Moore which they could probably use him today to be honest I only remember those guys but uh we just had a few players in it my dad made the rules I actually tweeted the rules for it Uh, the scoring for it people enjoyed it because it was so bizarre like my dad just made it up imagine just coming up with scoring and roster positions at it with no information you know you just don't know anything about fantasy you just invent (laughs) and the scoring is so bizarre so but it's so Uh, cool though I love that yeah oh yeah it was it was a lot of fun so um, I would get the newspapers during the week and I would actually manually score because we didn't have you know ESPN.com to do it for us so um, but yeah, I do, I do remember that, um, way back when it bits and pieces of it, but I do remember winning that league and I mean, I kept score. So maybe that was part of why I won, but you know,
2: <laughs> well, I love that story. All right. So tell me what are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you?
1: Uh, the best is, just look, like I, I grew up a a nerd. I'm still a nerd, but you know, growing up, I always wanted to be a GM or a coach. Or you know, I used to write letters to coordinators and GMs and stuff, and send them plays I thought would work, and just you know. I really want to see these letters
2: now. This is awesome. I have to
1: find them. I think I have some of their responses. I'll have to dig those out. But um, you know, I was always into that kind of thing. So when I kind of really got into fantasy, it was the same kind of thing, right? You can manage a team. I really love Dynasty because you can manage it year round, and there's that aspect to it. So. That's the best part, just that, you know, um, that that interest I have and in, in just football and managing it in the numbers and, and the process. I, I really enjoy all of that. Uh, the worst is just I mean, we all would probably say the same thing here. It's just the negativity out there. You know, you know, the people that get really angry if you miss a call. You know, it's a process. You're going to get stuff wrong. The one of the, the best pieces of advice I could give anyone, whether you're playing fantasy or you're an analyst, is, when you're setting your rankings and writing an article, knowing that you will get stuff wrong, you have to accept that first, then build your process around that, knowing that there's a wide range of variants, and then go forward that way and give the best advice possible. But you already know you're not going to hit on everything. There's always going to be bad things that happen, injuries. You're just going to miss on some guys. It's part of the process. But man, people get really mad about that kind of stuff at an unreasonable level. I wish we could cut down on that, have more positivity in this world. Everyone needs to go watch Ted Lasso. Be more like Ted Lasso, and then we'll uh, we'll all be uh, happier people.
2: Amen to that. We absolutely need more positivity in this world. So, all right, jumping into the actual fantasy stuff. We are kicking it off with a quick segment called The Burn Book. That is a Mean Girls reference, if you were not sure. But as fantasy managers, it is so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player burned us, either due to injuries or a bad season last year. So we're going to run through five players. And I'd like you to tell us briefly how confident you are That these players will return on investment at their ADPs. So, our first player is going to be Dak Prescott. His ADP is currently QB5. He finishes QB30, obviously, through five games, but was averaging 27.7 fantasy points before that. He's coming off of a major injury. Is he worth it at QB5?
1: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, You know, I was a little worried about his uh, arm injury earlier in the offseason. You know, Adam Schefter has speculated that he may not be 100% all season long with that leg, but uh, it seems like he'll be good enough to play at an extremely high level. He also benefits from a very high volume offense. Mike McCarthy came back to the NFL with one of the fastest paced offenses in the NFL, maybe the fastest paced offense in the league. So there's going to be a lot of plays. There's going to be a terrific supporting cast. You're going to have a healthy offensive line. You're going to have maybe the best trio in the NFL at wide receiver, not to mention Zeke Elliott out of the backfield. Um, and you're going to have a, a quarterback who's super talented. He was QB two for, you know, last time we saw him and, In 2019 for the full season and he adds some value with his legs as well. So I'm very high in Dak Prescott. He's in that round five, six range, and that's where I'm looking for a quarterback this year. So uh, if he's there, I'm taking him.
2: That is great to know. All right. Our next guy, you kind of gave us a little bit of a preview here, but I'm going with Saquon Barkley at ADP um he's his adp is rb8 right now on fantasy pros which seems really really low for a guy that was being drafted top two last season he's obviously coming off of a major injury what is your outlook on him i assume he's not in your burn book right now
1: yeah no way no way I, he better not be i mean if he if he uh if he has a setback or another injury or struggles this season i'm gonna be in trouble because i've been taking the discount on saquon all off season long that will sting not to mention that on national tv we did our uh our fantasy draft during the marathon i took him uh in the middle of the first round or i guess it was eighth overall took a ton of criticism got mocked the entire rest of the draft uh didn't sit well with me and uh, i'm gonna i need i need to go back and kind of cut that footage up and show it again should barkley on to have a a really good season and if he doesn't then i'll forget about all that footage of course but <laughs> Um no, I'm, you I'm, you I'm,
2: you earned the victory laugh on
1: that one. <laughs> well we'll see. We'll see. I'm very invested in Barkley. So we will see how it goes this season. But yes, you know, the guy just has such a high ceiling. He's been a superstar in fantasy whenever he has played. When we last saw him, he played almost 90% of the snaps for uh the Giants last season, which is ridiculous. So I look if he start he may start slow. You might have to deal with that. You might you might see a little extra Devontae Booker for a couple weeks, but By all accounts, his trajectory is still going up. He's getting very close to full health. And I'll be shocked if he doesn't play uh, and play a pretty big role, honestly, in week one.
2: Love to see it. I took him as RB five in a draft, and I got flack from it from other people. People, people were saying that that was cool. pick they didn't like, and like that he was such a risk. So I'm really hope I'm rooting for him this year for sure. Another running back that I'm gonna talk about here is Joe Mixon. So his ADP is RB thirteen. He's been I've been getting him a couple times, kind of in the middle of the second round. He's definitely a risky play. He Hasn't ever really delivered at his peak, but is this his year? He finishes RB 47 and half PPR through 16 weeks. Obviously, there were injuries involved and Joe Burrow and whatnot. Um, so what do you think about him this year? Is he in your burn book?
1: I, I will uh, gladly take Mixon in the middle of round two. He's RB 13 for me. Um, I mean, this is another guy who's up there with the elite in terms of usage, right? So last season, you mentioned he only appeared in six games played over 81 or handled over 81% of their carries, uh, 12% of the targets. He was RB10 in fantasy points per game. The year before he, when he had a pretty good season and he he was there all year, finished RB13, he was at three quarters of the carries and 8% of the targets. So we actually saw his usage go up last season. He's only 24, uh, may have just turned 25, but nonetheless, still very young in his prime. He's going to play a big role in uh, Bengals offense that you know they, they have good wide receivers they should be teams should be focused on stopping that trio a wide receiver that should open up some lanes for Mixon I know the O-line isn't great but uh, it is a little better than it's been in years past with a, a good set of uh, tackles so uh, fine with Mixon again as my RB2 or if you wait at that position he's your one he has some RB1 upside.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I am just going with the fact that Gio's not there and this is, he's going to have way more opportunities. So I'm excited about him. All right. LaVisca Chenault, his ADP is wider sphere 42. You know, I've been very high on him for a while. He may have been a little overhyped last year, but with the upgraded quarterback one year under his belt and with ETN gone, do you think he will deliver this year?
1: I I do. I'm very high on Chanel. As you know, I, again, the only league, the only draft we did together, I I sniped him from you uh, and I've done that all year long. I mean, I think his ADP has been in the, around the eighth round of 12 teamers. It's way too low. It should be about a round earlier, maybe, maybe even two rounds. You can make that case. Looks good in the preseason. Yes. You're going to see a lot of short area targets. That's okay. You know, that that's fine. It's we're playing in PPR for the most part. If you're playing in PPR, he's going to soak up a ton of catches I've him projected with 80 this season. And and look, the guy, he's in his second year. He's a former second-round pick, super talented, terrific athlete. And you would expect his role to increase from last season. And that's key because, you know, you look at last season, and I'm not not staring at the number right now, but he's going – I think he was wide receiver – where did he finish? Wide receiver 40 – 46 he finished. And he's going – his ADP right now is around wide receiver 40. That doesn't make much sense, right? I mean, he was a part-time player most of the last season. He missed a handful of games, and he finished 46th. He's being drafted around 40th. Again, a guy we expect to make a leap to see a lot more target volume. A guy who has a better quarterback situation, most likely, uh, assuming Trevor Lawrence is competent. It just doesn't make sense. So he should certainly be going earlier. I think he has – you know, he's a guy that could be a flex out of the gate, but he has elite upside. I mean, this guy could just go off this season, right? So a big fan of – big fan of – uh Chennault for sure.
2: Awesome. Well, I will never forgive you for sniping him from me <laughs> in our draft. But uh, for our final guy of the Vern Buck, we're going to talk about George Kittle. His ADP is tight end three. He only played in seven games last year, finished as tight end 20, finished as tight end four, though, in 2019, and tw- tight end three in 2018. So is this his ba- bounce back year, and are you at all concerned about his injuries?
1: Uh, Not too worried about it. Uh, He's he's just a really good football player. The the guy is maybe the most well-rounded tight end in the NFL. He could block. He could catch. He could do it all. He's in a a pretty good uh, offense with a good leader there in Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, some quarterback question marks, but I have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan to to maximize that quarterback uh, situation. You know, last week Kittle uh, still very good in fantasy. I mean, he was kind of all over the place. Right, he had those big games with forty and twenty-four points. Only had one other top twelve week, but. You know, he still saw right around eight targets per game. His efficiency was through the roof last season. He's never not been top three in fantasy points per game, at least since he's been the full-time starter. So uh, I know he's not a big touchdown guy, but Kittle is uh, a really good player and certainly belongs in that top three at the position. So if you want to grab him in round three, I have no problem with that.
2: Yeah, as a little bonus question, what do you, what's your take on Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo for Kittle's outlook?
1: Well, the thing with uh, running quarterbacks is, like Lance, of course, is there's going to be fewer targets, right? They're going to pull it down and run more often. A lot of those offenses are kind of built around that running game. There'll be designed runs for the quarterback instead of throws and, say, like third and three or third and two situations. So that worries you a little bit. I have the same concerns with, you know, Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. And, and you see it with other quarterbacks, like, of course, Baltimore is the, you know, the infamous one, we'll say the past few years with their wide receivers being fairly useless in fantasy. So that does bother me a little bit if they make that switch. But then again, if Trey Lance is super efficient, super effective, uh, it, it can, you know, pay dividends. And we know, uh, we know George Kittle will see a pretty gigantic target share. So as long as he gets that, the quarterback shouldn't stop him from being a top, say top five, maybe top three option.
2: Well, that is super, super encouraging for Kettle. So that'll do it for the burn book. Our next segment is called full send or that's cap, which is sort of the opposite of the last one. I'm going to give you five players who probably outperformed expectations in 2020. And I want to know, are you sending it on this player? That's like in ski terms, like when you... Send it you jump off a big jump and you just go okay. head on or yeah see
1: I'm not you're younger than me like I'm like what are these terms I don't know any of this stuff so and you're a skier which I'm not either so that's that one's over my head too
2: So send it drafting them with high expectations or that's cap cap means like BS, like you don't believe in it. That's not true. It's, it's a fallacy. So our first player that we're going to check out here is Justin Herbert. So I assume you're kind of high on him because you just mentioned him in the intro, but he finished his QB 10 last year through 31 touchdowns to just 10 interceptions. Are you going full send on him at his ADP of QB eight or is he due for a year two regression?
1: So full send is the good one, right? Yes. <laughs> full send. Okay. Yeah. I am uh, I would say um, moderate send or a little above uh, of that. Um, just because like I said before, where I'm attacking quarterback is like that Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson tier in the fifth and sixth round. However, if I miss on those guys, I still don't have my quarterback the next round. So we get into late six into seven. I'm looking at Rogers, Wilson and Herbert. So I'm in that range, but I do like Herbert. I think he'll uh, be fine. He did Benefit from a ton of volume, one of the the highest volume offenses we've seen in the league over the past decade. Uh, there's a coaching change there, so we may not see that again this season. However, the guy you know came out of no essentially nowhere, right? He wasn't supposed to make that start in week two, but Tyrod uh, had the had the issue with the IV, so Herbert steps in uh, and just lights it up right out of the right out of the out of the bag. Thirty six total touchdowns, ten picks. I mean, that's unbelievable for a rookie who didn't even play in week one. So. Um, he was terrific we usually expect quarterbacks to make a second year leap which we would expect from Herbert and if he does that the guy is going to be a bona fide superstar in the NFL Uh, adds some value with his legs too super important this day and age so I do like Justin Herbert a lot I think he's a a mid-range QB1 and if you come out of the draft with him as your starter you should feel pretty good.
2: That is awesome to hear because I am also very high on him I know there's concerns that they're Defense is going to be super, super strong, but I think he's going to just get better in year two. So our next guy is David Montgomery. In my drafts, it seems like no one wants anything to do with Monty. He scored 10 touchdowns, finished his RB six and a half PPR last season. Was his 2020 performance cap or are you going full send on Monty?
1: Well, you know, I thought cap initially, but I've kind of swung the other way because of Tariq Cohen. And it looks like he's struggling to come back from his injury, his torn ACL early last season. Uh, you know, that's really when Montgomery took off his, his usage went way up when uh, Cohen went down and then he took advantage of the very, very easy schedule in the final month or so of the season. and was a, a fantasy star. I mean, that one was that schedule was so easy that we saw it coming for months. I mean, we were talking about that for a long time. Go trade for this guy, get him on your team. The Bears' offense is in great shape. Montgomery's gonna have a huge finish during the fantasy playoffs. It was so easy to see coming, and it and it happened. So uh, we have to factor that in for sure. I don't think he'll match his top five season from last year, but I have moved him up to sixteenth on my board, uh, and and I found found myself you know landing him occasionally. Now he's going in the third round, so that's nothing crazy by any means. Uh, But he, you know, his ADP is climbing a little bit, as it should be, because if Cohen doesn't play uh, or he's out for a big chunk of the season, that's going to help Montgomery. Now, Damian Williams is there. He'll play a role. But at some point, you know, when Cohen comes back, he'll steal some of that, uh, some more of that passing down work that could hurt Montgomery. But for now, I think Montgomery is a a solid RB, two.
2: I completely agree there. All right. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is James Robinson. So everyone asked this off season, who is going to be this year's James Robinson with the injury to ETN is this year's James Robinson, James Robinson. Are you, and are you going full send on him as a high end RB two, possibly low end RB one?
1: Well, I don't think he could by definition be himself, right? Because it has to be like an undrafted guy that came out of nowhere. Right. It can't, uh, who would that be? That would be like, um, Ty Johnson or something or no he, he's not a rookie right Jake Funk uh, I'm like J. Hawkins, maybe who's that
2: JV Hawkins maybe yeah well he like got undrafted. cut
1: he's not, he got cut and claimed by the Titans so I don't even know if he's <laughs> going to make the team there but essentially someone right who at the last second we're, we're adding as a flyer to our bench kind of like a Tyson Williams with Baltimore right now though again he's in his second year but nonetheless uh, to your point uh, he is back on the upswing because of the injury to ETM but it's a new coaching staff, but we don't know what they're gonna do here. You know, is he gonna split the backfield with Carlos Hyde like he has during the preseason? Uh, are they gonna use someone like LaVisca Chenault in the backfield in passing situations or Tavon Austin or someone like that? Are they not done at running back? You know, we're in we're at final cut territory. They could claim someone, they have that first spot to claim, uh, to claim guys who are a wave. they have first chance at those sort of players, they could trade for someone, they could still not be done. So um I have I'm optimistic about Robinson relative to where I was um I thought he was going way too earlier early in the offseason but he's up to 15th on my board for now but again I don't really trust the coaching decisions just yet I mean just because I don't it's not a knock on Urban Meyer it's just we don't know what they're going to do we've never seen him coach an NFL game before we don't know what his personnel usage is going to be so um not I don't feel super strong about spending a third rounder on him which is probably where he belongs now but uh, you know, I'm willing to do it if he falls a few spots past that.
2: Yeah, there are so many unknowns in that offense at this point. Where are you drafting Carlos Hyde now?
1: Uh, Pretty low, pretty low. Just, uh, you know, I'm 51st on my board. I'm sure I know other people have been prioritizing him, but I just don't see a high ceiling there. You know, we've seen this the past few years. And, and look, I loved Hyde, you know, back in uh, the 49ers years, super high in him. He helped me win a lot of, a lot of matchups in fantasy. But um, he's just been, you know, to like steal a term from baseball, he's basically been an innings eater the past couple of years, right? He just comes in and he'll grind. You know, he can handle 14, 15 carries, average 3.8 or 9 yards per carry, but a little below average, score some touchdowns, not do really anything in the passing game. Uh, So there's just a very, very limited upside there. So not too excited about him. I think even if Robinson were to miss time, Hyde would step in and have, you know flex value but he, there would be other people involved there as well so not too high on hide
2: fair enough all right the next player we're going to talk about is mike davis the journeyman came out of nowhere last season finished his rb12 while filling in for cnc he has almost no competition out of the atlanta backfield who just waged jv and hawkins as you mentioned is he worth drafting as your rb2 or was last year cap
1: ah uh. Yeah, I would say, again, if I'm following the terminology cap, where I'm on the cap side here for sure, <laughs> look, you can easily see the path to a lot of volume for Mike Davis this year. And we saw that from him early on last season. But you know, I think people forget that it started to wear off and down the stretch, right? They started to work in more running backs. He wasn't playing as well. He wasn't getting nearly as much volume uh, in that final, you say, month, month and a half. And his, and his production fell off big time this is a guy and it makes sense, right? This is a guy that's never been a starter in the NFL. He's never been a, a bell cow back. He actually got cut by uh, before the Panthers got him. He actually got cut by the bears. You know, he, he didn't make that team when they, when they had Montgomery and Cohen there, they cut him loose latches on with the Panthers before last season. We didn't even know if he would make that team. So he worked his way back, made the roster and obviously went on to have a a pretty good fantasy year, but uh, just, you know, his, that whole combination of, you know, lack of pedigree, lack of consistent production in the league is a concern. And also his age, you know, he's 28. We even had a 28 year old top 25 running back in several years in the NFL, right? It's hard to do. So yes, I think he will come out. We'll be ranking him as an RB two early in the season. he will have some decent games, but I really worry about him holding up and being an effective fantasy back for the whole season. So he's not a guy I have any exposure to, if he has a big year, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, pay the penalty, I guess, but I'm not, not interested.
2: Totally understood. Yeah. The durability was definitely a concern. All right. The final guy for this segment that we're going to talk about is Robert Tunyon. So he finished as tight end three behind Kelsey and Waller last season after scoring a whopping 11 touchdowns, one in each season prior. Are you sending it at his ADP if it's tight end nine? And can you tell us what a more realistic touchdown expectation is for the year four tight end?
1: Well, I have him with six and he had 11 last year. So that's that answer. Uh, here's the thing. Like I would say even certainly 10 years ago, you know, around when I was n- new to the industry and, and definitely, you know, maybe even like five years ago, Tonya would have been going a lot earlier in fantasy drafts, but the industry is getting much smarter and we have more data we've learned a lot more about touchdown regression to the mean something again I've been doing for a long time articles every year the hit rate is unbelievable and people are learning that you cannot sustain super high touchdown rates and I say that because Tunyon last year his touchdown efficiency was one of the highest we've seen in over a decade I mean it was just through the roof unsustainable he can't come close to that it just doesn't happen if he does it would be you know something we've never seen in the league before is it possible of course there's always a chance but should you bet on that? Should you bet on your, you know, your fantasy picks your auction, you know, your uh, salary cap league money, whatever it may be on that? No, you shouldn't. But again, the industry is getting smarter. They understand that, and that's why he's going in the ninth round this year Mm -hmm. as opposed to I I think he would be going like in round five a decade ago because people just would just expect another high touchdown total. But I say all that because where he's going, I have no problem with it. You know, I took him – I waited at tight end, kind of got bit there, and he fell a little bit. I took him at Scott Fishbowl a few months ago. Otherwise, I don't really have him at all, but uh, the targets do need to go up to offset the the, uh, touchdowns. It's really the only way he's going to come close to what he did last season, which was – tight end four. I think they'll go up a little bit. Nothing crazy. They did bring in Randall Cobb. Uh, So at the end of the the day, I think he's a borderline top 10 tight end who lacks a ceiling, honestly. So that's how I feel. But again, I want to be negative because I got to go all in on the touchdown regression. But on the other hand, his ADP is uh, pretty respectable right now.
2: So did you say you have an estimate for the number of touchdowns you think he'll score this year?
1: Yep. I I have him at six. I'm expecting the Packers offense as a whole to come back to earth a little bit. You can't. You know, again, you can't project players at their ceiling every year, and we saw one of Aaron Rodgers' best seasons ever last season. So, of course, I'm going to expect him to come back down the earth at least a little bit.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. I think it is a, a inexpensive way to buy, buy in on the Packers' offense for fantasy managers during draft season. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a new segment we call Elite Entries, where we'll dive into the Prize Picks app to build some entries. And for any listeners unfamiliar with prize picks, it's just a super simple way to play DFS prize picks offers a bunch of fantasy and prop markets for both daily and season long, like Zeke Elliott rushing yards this season, or Josh Allen's week one fantasy score. You choose the picks you like, and you build your entry. You can go with two, three, four, or even five picks. And your payout is based on how big your lineup is and how much you risk. For example, let's say you choose two props. You go under on Zeke Rushing Yards and over on Allen's Fantasy Points. And let's say you choose $25 for your entry fee. If they both hit, you'd win three times your entry fee. $75, boom, just like that. And if you build your entry with four props, you can win as much as 10 times your entry fee. So like I said, really simple. I'll identify some markets I like. You build your own prize pick entries. All of us have a little fun and make some money. Today, I'm going to look at four NFL season long features on prize picks. The first one I like is Jalen Hurts over 655 and a half rushing yards. Like many NFL fans, I'm still not fully sold on Hurts as a passer, but he has undeniable rushing upside. He averaged 79.3 rushing yards per game in weeks 14 through 16 as the Eagles' starter, which extrapolates well into the thousands on a 17 game pace. I don't think he'll hit that, but I think 50 rushing yards per game is his floor which would put him well over and he could even miss a few games next we have Kirk Cousins under 4,200 and a half passing yards I hope this isn't controversial but with Cousins strident stance against vaccination and low vaccination rates among the Vikings there's a non-trivial chance this signal caller misses at least a game Cousins passed for 4,265 yards last season, over 16 games, with roughly the same arsenal of weapons. Yes, there's an extra game this year, but with his additional off-field risk, this feels like an under for me. Next, we have Matt Stafford, over 29.5 passing touchdowns. Stafford would have only hit the over once over the past four seasons. However, he was on track to smash the over in 2019 before his back injury and fell just shy of it last year with 26, with an extremely underwhelming cast of receivers. Kenny Galladay went down early and his top wideouts were Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. Now he's got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Tyler Higbee behind a significantly better offensive line better coaching, and the extra game. I fully expect him to pass for at least 30 touchdowns. And finally, we have Allen Robinson over 1,090 and a half receiving yards. Robinson's been a victim of what we can generously refer to as subpar QB play his entire career, first in Jacksonville and most recently in Chicago. But even opposite Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky last season, Robinson managed to reel in 1,250 yards, his third 1,000 receiving yard season of his career. There's finally light at the end of the tunnel for Robinson this year after the Bears drafted Justin Fields, who is having quite the field day, pun intended, this preseason and has looked super, super sharp. This is great news for all the Chicago pass catchers. Fields won't get the week one start, but it's just a matter of time in my opinion. And even Andy Dalton is an upgrade from Foles and Trubisky. Robinson should smash the over here. All right. So that's our elite entry for today, going with Jalen Hurts season-long rushing yards over, Kirk Cousins season-long passing yards under, Matt Stafford season-long passing touchdowns over, and Allen Robinson season-long receiving yards over. If you haven't created a PrizePix account yet, check out the link in our episode description because PrizePix has a special offer for Fantasy Flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let's keep it moving here on 21 Questions. Pretty quick questions to finish out the show and get you back to your spreadsheets. Question 13 is, you are the king of analytics in this space, the GOAT, but even us nerds can get a little emotional about players. Name one player, you have trouble, you just can't quit, or you make excuses for every year. So that, for me, uh, is Joe Mixon.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair for sure. You know what? I wrote the expression, I just can't quit the Drake in my uh, my annual ultimate draft uh, draft board article where I go round by round with the guys I'm looking at. And of course I'm like, again, I mean, I, am looking at Drake's ADP and it's fine, you know, going in the 10th round. So um, I guess I'll go with him. You know, I just, uh, I liked him as an underrated prospect. I always wanted them to, you know, to free him in Miami, give him more work. And then he was pretty good and then they didn't really like him. So they shipped him to Arizona, had a really good year. And then you're like, finally, we're getting Kenny and Drake. That second half, he's a, a certified RB one, and then the second year, of course, last season, you know, he, his utilization was so bizarre. They just made him a, you know, a early a first and second down back. He just wasn't targeted, was used between the tackles, you know, and off offseason interview, he even said he didn't understand it. He didn't like that at all, but that was Cliff's plan and he just went with it. But um, he expects to be used a little bit more uh, in a dynamic role in uh, with the Raiders. So, you know, he's getting up there in age, you know, running back uh, wise and, you know, relative to running backs, but. Uh, I like the role he's in. You know, he's been a top, I think, 16 back three years in a row. I don't know if we'll be able to pull that off with uh, Josh Jacobs there this season. But, uh, you know, with his 10th round ADP, there's a chance he can flirt with weekly uh, flex value, maybe even PPR top 25 value. So where he's going, I'm fine with him. But, uh, you know, he's just one of them guys that, you know, every year I just seem to just seems to fall into my lap in these leagues.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, it was a very frustrating situation with Cliff Kingsbury last year uh, and frustrating to see him kind of go into that system where it is going to be a little bit of a headache for fantasy managers this season. But, yeah, I I agree with you. I think he is going pretty, pretty low. So I um, am definitely tempted at his ADP. All right. So for question 14, predict what year the Eagles will win their next Super Bowl.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I wish I had a few more weeks to answer this one. and I can see a little more Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, man, I, I think it might be a while. You know, they're in a bit of a turnover period. They, you know, spent a lot, made that run toward the Super Bowl and, and tried to keep it going for a couple of years. And it kind of, you know, the kind of the bill came due this offseason, I feel, to some extent. But uh, I do like Howie Roseman. I think he's done a pretty nice job managing this team, though he's very highly criticized. I mean, to get them their first Super Bowl ring and uh, did a nice job during that period. So um, I think it'll be a while, but um, I hope it's soon. So, you know, since it's just, you know, it's it's not really on the line, I'll just be optimistic. I'll say, I'll say they win it in 2022. Jalen Hurts makes a huge leap. He's that next superstar. He's that next Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen that makes the big year two leap, uh, and he carries them all the way. Because I think, honestly, the defense is a little above average on paper. The offensive line, if it stays healthy, is very good. You know, maybe need one more one more good target offensively. But uh, if everything kind of comes together for them and hurts is the next star in this NFL, which is possible, it's a long shot, but it's possible uh, the Eagles could could surprise and make a run.
2: You heard it here, folks. It is the (laughs) Eagles 2022 Super Bowl winners. All right. Assuming he's healthy, uh, will Jalen Hurts start at least 16 games?
1: if he's, oh man, again, I mean, I, if you're betting and we are, of course, at, at, you know, ESPN chalk and the action network, I would you certainly take the under with quarterbacks. It's always uh, just, just too high of a number with the injury rate at that position, not to mention he's an unproven product with only three NFL, full NFL games under his belt. They also just traded for Gardner Minshew. So they have, you know, if he's struggling, you know, you have a little more intriguing of a quarterback to plug in rather than going to Joe Flacco. So I would say no. Again, if I had to bet, I would say no. Uh, but for the Eagles sake, they better hope the answer is yes. But I'll say this. The worst thing that could happen, I think, for them is he's like up and down. He's OK. Right. And they're like, well, maybe he'll make a leap in 22 and they don't take a quarterback in the draft. You know, that could be that could be tough because, you know, if, if he does struggle or he's OK, you figure you're picking what around 12 to 15. You have a ton of first round picks. You may have three first round picks if Carson Wentz stays healthy for this season, which of course, who knows with him uh, right now. uh, And you need to use them assets to get yourself a franchise quarterback if you don't have one. So hopefully they just, hopefully we all know, you know, in a couple months, whether this guy's the real deal.
2: Yeah. That Carson Wentz situation is looking a little sketchy. I just saw he was put on the COVID-19 reserve list. The Mm -hmm. Colts are having a bad week for sure for uh, their personnel. All right. Speaking of Eagle signal callers, was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no?
1: No. All due respect to him, you know, in his prime, he did some good things, but um not an elite uh, quarterback, certainly not a hall of famer.
2: What percentage of the Eagles running back touches will Miles Sanders see this season?
1: Uh, that's a good question. You know, I think he was better than people realized when he was out there last season, one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL. Um, I have him around 55% of the carries, you know, probably I don't project running backs for any more than uh, 15 games this season with the extra game, just because of, you know, injury rates of running back, we're seeing that already, right? Three, mm-hmm. three top what, top 20, top 25 running backs are already out for the season. So um, you know, I, I have him in that ballpark and probably about 10 to 12 percent of the targets. You know, he as a rookie, he was seventh in receiving yards, was pretty good in that department. Uh last year kind of struggled a little bit, but that the whole team was just a mess last year. So I'm not gonna hold that against him, but still had the big plays last season and finished second in yards per carry uh, at running back. So I'm still high in him. i drafted him a lot. He's falling to the fourth round lately, which I'll take that all day if I can get a guy like Miles Sanders in the fourth round. So that's about where I am. You know, again, about half the carries, about 12% of the targets. If he pulls that off, he'll be a a fine RB2. Yeah,
2: he's definitely a guy that kind of similar to David Montgomery that it feels like in drafts, no one really wants a a piece of him. They're disinterested. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I'm not necessarily seeking him out. But when he's falling to me, it's it's definitely very tempting. All right, give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year.
1: Oh, good question. How about our guy AJ Dillon? Right, you know he's a guy that you know tweeted out he wanted to get involved with uh, with fantasy a few days ago or a couple weeks ago, and I'm I'm not sure what his upside is as a a pass catcher in the pros. We'll see, but uh, you know he's a hard worker. He has a ton of size. He's built you know very similar to uh, Derrick Henry. And who knows what he can do, you know, out there as a rusher. I can't wait to see him this season. And, you know, Aaron Jones will be a year older, and then you'll have A.J. Dillon as perhaps the lead back for that Packers team. So, you know, uh, eighth round right now for Dillon seems about right. But he's a guy that could pay that off in a big way and perhaps be a, a breakout star in the NFL in 2022.
2: I love that answer. I'm very excited for Dillon this year. <laughs> Are you bull or bear on the zero RB strategy as a viable strategy?
1: I mean, bull on a, a viable strategy for sure. Although bull makes it sound like that could go either way. Right. But you know, is it, but I'm bullish on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's a, it, you can definitely pay it off. I've done it before. I've won industry championships with nothing at running back. Like, uh, man, was it Elijah McGuire? And I uh, was one of my top backs with Damian Williams. I, I, I had a big 14 team championship roster a couple years ago. Um, in, in a big industry league we do every year i've won it uh, a couple a couple times over the past few years and that one year i started three running backs in the championship game and two i can't remember the third was it was Damian <laughs> williams elijah mcguire and someone else that was like a waiver ad i had no running backs on my roster that i drafted uh and i didn't you know i just early in the draft i had a tight end uh receiver 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 something along those lines i had that combination and there was just no value at running back so i didn't take it and you can win that way. You can, if you're smart and you're aggressive and you work waivers, and if you can trade, trade, always look for you know those guys that, that can kind of get you over the top and, and win it for you. And look, if you play fantasy and you don't like to do that, you don't like to work waivers and you're like, ah, I always forget to check my waivers and check my team. You want to go running back heavy early and just hope they work out. If they stay healthy, you'll be competitive. But if you're the opposite and you're aggressive and you're always working and you're checking waivers not taking running backs early can pay off for you. You can get safer players at other positions and then you can just continue to work every single week at the running back position. And by season's end, you should be in pretty good shape there because of the injuries and, and the, the unknown, the variance of that position uh, that can work for you. So it uh, just depends what kind of player you are, but uh, you know, the short answer is yes, absolutely. Zero, strat- zero RB can work for you.
2: Do you feel like it can still work in uh, basketball formats?
1: Because you um, said you know,
2: it's like about playing the waivers and stuff, and that's obviously a huge part of it.
1: To some extent, I think you have to be more aggressive in best ball because you still have to get viable starting options. Uh, and remember, those things are usually deeper, right? So uh, we're say we're doing 16 rounds for a normal draft, and then you're working waivers and you have a lot better waiver wire. Best ball it could be upwards of 20, 24 rounds, right? So you have more options, and you could take more flyers at running back. and kind of hope they, they pan out. But uh, you're right. You can't – you know, if a guy's not picked – you know, and like Tyson Williams. For now, we mentioned him before. You can't scoop him up if your best ball is over. He's gone, right? If you have Dobbins, you're done. You know, you know, get you can't scoop up Williams to get those points. So uh, you're exactly right that uh, it's it's more important to be to prioritize running back in those formats. And generally, they're set up in a tournament setting anyway, right? You you really need to finish the top three or two, you know, or first. So you could take them running backs early. If your running backs to get hurt, you're probably done anyway. Uh, but if they pay off, you have a really good chance to be in that top top spot it's basically first or last you know Ricky Bobby you know no no doubt so uh I'm definitely more likely to lean on running back early in those formats
2: fair enough all right for our 21st question if you had one cardinal rule you could tell someone just getting into fantasy this year what would it be
1: Where do I start? I did a whole article on this, a long one uh, earlier in the offseason. Everyone go read that article for sure. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that endorsement. Uh, (laughs) Well, first of all, I'll I'll answer your question, which is don't uh, overthink it during your draft. Take the best value. Don't force positions. Maximize your team. But if it was a little more outside the box, I would say if you get a trade offer, don't lose your mind over it. Okay, you know, you know, people are trying to improve their team. They're trying to shake up the league a little bit. They want to make their team better don't get mad about a trade offer. All right? I, I, the best leagues I'm in have a ton of trade offers and are active. Uh, people care. The worst leagues are the one, and, and they can be bad offers sometimes. Of course there, you're always going to have bad offers. You just, not everyone's going to agree on value. It's part of the game. And you're going to have people that try to rip you off. It's, it's part of the game, but um, the worst leagues are the ones that aren't active and they're just boring and everyone just sets their lineup or some guys don't, they're just lazy about it. You know, I would take a league with bad trade offers all day long over a league like that. So don't just counter like an idiot or go on the message boards and lose your mind, like counter realistically, tell them what you're thinking. Maybe this person is desperate to get a player on your team and they end up overpaying, right? So, and you're never going to get their best offer first. That's always an important part of it too. So that's something that drives me up a wall, right? I'm trying to make a league active. I'm throwing offers out there. And then you, one offer is not perfect and, and people, you know, certain people lose their mind. So that's one of the things that, that drives me nuts. So I, if I gave advice, I would say be active, and don't get offended because you don't, you know, you, you hit decline instead of accept.
2: I think that's really, really good advice because in a lot of my leagues, I feel like people are very dovish and then do lose their minds over certain trade offers. And it, like in, the, in reality, of course, you're valuing your players more than other people's players. And you're going to think that a first, off, why would you send a, a like very lopsided first offer in someone else's favor? So of course, like, you know, it's just about communication and it doesn't do you any favors if you're just going to burn bridges by like, chastising someone on a message board because they sent a bad offer because they may not even know it's a bad offer too so give them the benefit of the doubt I love that advice all right that will do it for this round of 21 questions with our guest Mike Clay of ESPN Mike I can't thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season as if they don't already know
1: (laughs) I'll be grinding away, working uh, my rear end off all season long. My work will be over at ESPN.com. Make sure you sign up for ESPN+. Plus. You cannot beat that product. We have so much there from a video perspective and certainly our written content across all sports. So that's where most of my written work will be. We'll be busy uh, all season long. At Mike Clay NFL on Twitter, I'll be uh, tweeting away when I can as well. So really excited. The season's almost here. We get an extra week this year. It's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to win some championships.
2: All right, guys, as a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are next here on the Fantasy Flex podcast. They have two of their very best episodes coming out this week with their player prop episode and their final fantasy rankings. So please check those out. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen. And we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Fix. Peace out, y'all.